0: Hello and welcome to level 22 of 3 Extra Lifes, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host Tom Knight. Welcome back. 22 episodes, eh? Not too shabby. And if you've been enjoying 3 Extra Lives, and you think, how can I support Tom in this project that he's doing, in this podcast that he's doing? I'm enjoying learning about indie games, trivia. How can I support what he's doing? Well, you can. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash three extra lives you can become a patreon you can get weekly updates from me behind the scenes going ons weekly recommendations for free games you can check out usually before i talk about them on this show And just anything else going on in my head at the time, you'll get it every week. That directly supports this show, directly supports what I'm doing here at 3 Extra Lives. As always, greatly appreciated. Thank you very much for that. And now, on with the show! (laughs) It's been a few weeks since my last visit to (laughs) 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 Kickstarter. As I browsed, through some of the latest projects looking to be funded, I came across Zenith, the cyberpunk MMO for VR and desktop. We're all crazy for cyberpunk right now. Just seems to be the new, it's the new vampire. It's the new vampire. We we went through that phase and now it's gonna be all about the cyberpunk. This game caught my eye because it had a pledge goal of 20,424 pounds. And I just want to say, with 21 days to go as of recording, that pledge count is sitting at 164,784 pounds. I mean, that is just incredible that this has been fully funded within four hours. And Zenith, the cyberpunk MMO, you're going to start your life as a legendary hero in a dynamic, player-driven MMO, inspired by your favorite JRPGs and anime. So this is gonna be for VR and for PC. And I think when VR first started to become more prevalent with regards to Oculus Rift and HTC Vive, I had this imagination that eventually we were gonna be playing games like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy 14 in a virtual reality environment. You know, it's gonna be like Ready Player One. You're gonna be sticking that headset on. You're gonna be going on adventures with your friends in this virtual reality space. And I think that's ultimately my vision and my goal for how I see VR playing out. It might not exactly get to that stage just yet, but you have to say that the technology is getting there. I attended a convention very recently in Belfast where actually got to try out VR properly for the first time. And I don't know how I haven't really got around to doing that since it's been around for a little while. It's been around for a few years, hasn't it? But I was playing some Beat Saber and I just thought, you know what, there, there is a lot of potential in VR. I don't see it as this completely gimmicky aspect that maybe like 3D was, like 3D TVs and everything like that, I definitely see a lot more potential in VR. And like I say again, there's still a long way to go, but being able to play the likes of MMORPGs in a virtual reality world, that gets me very excited to see how that is going to happen. And Zenith is gonna be one of those games attempting to do this. So millions of players are gonna be able to come together, socialize and create their own unique experiences within this game. You know, to fight, craft, explore, all that kind of MMO stuff. Forge alliances and friendships. Create your guilds. Group up in parties. Do raids. Come together in world events. Forge your own path. Become immortalized in the world. That's, that's all we ever want, right? Is to become the greatest champion in these MMO worlds. We want people to build statues. We want people to cower when they hear our names maybe that's just me so zenith is going to have a vr version of the game however because vr is still not a hugely accessible component to gaming you're still going to be able to play this game with a non-vr version which actually i really like that this game is trying to take a step into the vr world but they're also acknowledging you know what if we just go solely vr then we're not going to have That entire player base because not everyone has access to this. Not everyone is able to make that financial commitment for the equipment. It's not just the headsets, it's actually having a computer that's capable of running virtual reality too. There's a lot of barriers that can get in the way of that currently. So Zenith is going to include a copy of a non-VR version and a VR version for its backers, which is a really nice touch and probably one of the big reasons why this game got funded so quickly too. This game is heavily inspired by Sword Art Online, Castle in the Sky, Final Fantasy, and that Ready Player One, Snow Crash, and Rainbow's End Experience 2. So the creators have all this inspiration that they've combined together to create this virtual reality world. Like all MMOs, you're gonna have your character customization, But instead of that holy trinity which we see in nearly every MMO of the tank, the DPS, and the healer, every class in this MMO can become each role depending on which skills you equip. So maybe taking a leaf out of the Guild Wars 2 page book right there with allowing your classes to be shaped how you want them to play. And the examples it gives of playing a paladin or a mage tank. You can customize a warrior to have more focus on healing, and you could switch that up with a mage being more defensive and being at that forefront of an attack, which I think is always exciting when MMOs open up that layer of customization just even further than warriors tank, mages do damage. because. We all have those imaginations of what our class actually wants to do and maybe it's not generic as usual roles. And for the VR aspect, this game is going to feature full body avatars and animations, so no floaty heads or hands typically seen in VR games. They're looking to push the boundaries of this to the next level, along with voice, modulation and filters if you wish to remain anonymous in this world. There's going to be advanced AI. Monsters that you're gonna be facing, they're gonna dodge, they're gonna hide, and they're gonna hunt in lifelike ways. And it's being stated unlike any MMORPG you've seen before, and I think that to me is quite exciting. As an MMO player, generally when you're out in the world, you don't feel that danger of the enemies that you're fighting because they're just standing around, I mean they probably should see you coming a mile away, they're just standing around waiting for you to attack, and this could be really interesting if a development of AI takes this to the next level. So all in all, there's a lot happening in this game. So much more than I've managed to fit in within this small segment of 3 Extra Lives. But you can check that out over on Kickstarter. There's still time left for you to pledge up until Thursday, September 26th, 2019 at 6pm British Standard Time. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in maybe if you're just an MMO fan, or if you do have that VR and you're looking for that experience, definitely check this one out. This game is hugely funded already. It's got a lot of backers, but again, having all that support means that games like this can not only get funded, but then they can start hitting their stretch goals, which can further evolve the game as it comes out initially. So very exciting time in the VR space. I'm really gonna be keeping a close eye on this project to see how it develops, to see how it pans out, and to see if we finally do get that Ready Player One experience. It's trivia time. It's talking about Zenith, the Cyberpunk MMO. And like I said, Cyberpunk, it's all people are talking about right now. So that brings me to this question. Cyberpunk 2077 is an upcoming role-playing video game Developed and published by whom? The answer is CD Project, if you got that one right. Give yourself an extra life. I start this next segment of Three Extra Lives with some sad news that Formula 2 driver Antoine Hubert, 22 years old, died in a crash at Spa circuit on Saturday, August 31st, 2019. Before I get into this segment just a little deeper, I wanted to pay my respects and of course acknowledge that this goes beyond video games, that the families, friends and colleagues of Antoine, who were all impacted by his death following this accident and that this is obviously a trying time for them all to come to terms with the sudden loss of this young driver. Following his death, players on the Formula 1 subreddit posted tribute screens of their laps featuring the BWT Arden F2 car at Monaco and Les Castellet where Hubert claimed his victories in his rookie season. It just shows that even in times like this, video games can still be an outlet for people to come together and to celebrate somebody's life, albeit extremely short-lived and in light of the tragic circumstances. These tributes also happened in real life with Formula 1 drivers and Formula 2 drivers over the last weekend when races were taking place that tributes and marks of respect were acted upon. And also, just to mention, the the accident that happened involved another driver, Iwan Maro Corral. Currently, as of recording, he's in intensive care. But he is in a stable condition after surgery so not to forget that there was someone else involved in this tragic accident too. And while this subject has been quite difficult for me to talk about, I I really did want to bring it forward in 3 Extra Lives and obviously it's not an easy thing to do. It's hard because you're talking about someone who has lost their life. Some people have used video games as an outlet to pay tribute and that's what i've been focusing on as i saw this story because there there's no shying away from the fact that formula one formula two any sort of motorsports is highly dangerous and comes with risk that's by no way means to negate the loss of life in this circumstance and following this as well a dilemma appeared for the company codemasters who published the formula one games and of course Anyone listening to this podcast will say, well, we're talking about someone who's lost their life. And I 100% agree. I just found an article on Polygon, which stated that Codemasters had recently announced they were doing a roster update for Formula 1 19 for the Formula 2 drivers. This was before One's accident, and this now leaves them with a situation, a dilemma, where this roster now will it include Atwan or will it not and obviously the families and everyone involved personally with the driver that's that's not a concern that's no not a priority like it's not it really isn't I don't know what Codemasters will do in this situation and I'm sure there's been companies in the past updating sports rosters where something like this has happened I'm sure it has because These sports rosters get updated every year and I don't know how they deal with those situations. But I think in this situation, it's a great opportunity for Codemasters who published the Formula One game. They They can use this as a tribute. Use this update to pay a mark of respect to this driver whose life was tragically cut short, doing what he loved but ultimately 22 years old, had his whole career ahead of him been racing since he was seven so he had a lot behind him but he still had so much more to come and i would say that codemasters use this as a place to give your nod to me it's not a dilemma i would say use this opportunity and pay your respects to this driver obviously i feel like any action like this probably has to be approved by the families of the driver and right now it's going to be a terrible time for those families and everyone connected with Atuan so I can see the difficulty in the decision but ultimately in my eyes I think using this as a tribute to Atuan and to what he achieved throughout his very short career as a driver to me that would be the most respectful thing to do in this instance. It's trivia time and it's hard to segue from a story like that into some trivia but I'm going to dedicate this question to Anton Hubert in light of his successes throughout his career that was tragically cut short. Can you name the arcade racing video game that was released by Namco in 1982? And by 1983, it had become the highest grossing arcade game that year in North America. The answer is pole position. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. And finally, in this level of three extra lives, coming to you with a game that has just been released. And that game is Sin Slayers by developer Goon Swarm. Now, I had played this game a few weeks back. There was a prologue for this game out on Steam, Sin Slayers, and you could get a feel for what this game was going to be about. And Sin Slayers is an RPG with roguelike elements. It's set in a dark fantasy world, and the choices you make in this game, they will determine how challenging the fights are and how difficult the enemies are going to be. You're going to be able to forge together a group of heroes, and you can equip them with items. You can craft gear and consumables, you're going to lead this team of heroes out into the world, a world that is focused on sin, more specifically, the seven deadly sins, because that's the enemy that's terrorizing this world. You'll start this game with an introduction, which I can only describe as a comic book on parchment, various parchments telling you the story of how this game is going to begin to keep it short and sweet. There's hordes of monsters, and your party, a warrior, a priestess, and a paladin, and a ranger come together in this town, and they end up as refugees in this church. And this church serves as your home base where you can customize your team, you can change your formations of how your party is gonna lay out because since Slayers is a turn-based RPG game, you have three party members that you can select. These party members also have abilities that you can toggle between. So for example, the priest has a healing spell and a damage spell in a tier of spells which you can select between one or two of those and as you level up these heroes you gain access to other abilities and you can increase their range of play style as you progress through the game. As you venture out into the world into the valley of fallen sinners you will discover there's lots of things that can set you back. For example when you're exploring zones they're procedurally generated and it works on a tile based movement system. So you'll have uncovered tiles that as you move around on these tiles you'll maybe uncover traps or you'll uncover points of interest or you'll uncover quests, which you can then complete while you're out in this zone. If you return to the church while you're out in this zone, any progress you make will be reset. So you really have to make sure you're prepared when you venture out into the world to get everything done that you want to do. And as you traverse through this tile-based environment, you'll uncover enemies which initially you won't know anything about. There'll be a mystery to you, you won't know what's the best way to damage them, what magic they're vulnerable to. But the more you play the game, you'll uncover information about them, which means you'll be more equipped to deal with them in the future. But as you kill these monsters, and as you perform actions on the grid-based map, your sin will increase. And as your sin increases, so does the power of your enemies. And as the power of your enemies increases, so therefore does the rewards that you can claim on your adventure. Now, this game features 10 playable characters. They've all got their unique histories, they've all got their own skill sets that you can customize. As you do this, you'll be exploring seven regions. Each one belongs to one of the Sin Lords. So you'll be trying to defeat all of those Sin Lords to rid these lands of the corruption that has spread within. And like I mentioned, there's the Sinometer, which makes you think about your actions as you're playing through the game. If you commit bad deeds, your sin will increase, but there's also ways to reduce your sin through performing good deeds. So it's all about balancing that risk and reward as you go through these generated maps of locations. Each of these regions, they have their own events and game conditions, their own set of monsters and bosses. So there's plenty to explore each time you unlock a new region. The thing I like about this game is it's really quick to get into. You head off out into the world. Some people don't like those random encounters that you can get in turn-based RPGs. I don't mind them actually. And I think you you do have a bit more control in this game because the classes that you pick, they also have these abilities that you can use outside of combat that can be used to change your fortunes. For example, the priest is able to heal outside of combat. but Once you do use that heal, you'll have a cooldown on that and it's usually a certain amount of tiles that you'll then have to uncover before you can use that ability again. The hunter, for example, can assess a combat situation that you've fallen into and flee from that if you don't like the odds. But again, you can't use this all the time. So it's about using those skills resourcefully and making sure that when you do use them, that you are using them at the right time. But maybe you just don't know when that actually is. But this game is just great to pick up and play. You can jump in for 30 minutes or you can jump in for several hours and you can feel like that you're making progression. You're leveling up your characters. They're unlocking more abilities. As you unlock more abilities, you venture into new areas with more difficult enemies. And that just ramps up really nicely as you're playing through this game. So head over to Steam, check out Sin Slayers, if you want to get a bit more of a feel for the game, check out Sin Slayers, the first Sin, where you'll be able to explore the first area within Sin Slayers. And that's the Forest of Gluttony. And you can get a feel of how this game plays, how it operates. And if you're like me, you would have played that. And then you're instantly like, yep, I need more. I need more of this game. I need to further myself. I need to level up more. And I want to go and explore more regions in this game. So that's Sin Slayers by Goon It's trivia time. So I was talking about Sin Slayers there, and that leads me to this question. There are seven deadly sins, including lust, pride, envy, wrath, sloth, gluttony and which other one? The answer is greed. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And that's the end of the show. We made it once again, champion. If you enjoyed this show, why not let me know over at social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at 3extralives. Maybe you want to brag about your trivia score. That is always welcome to As always, you can find everything I've mentioned on this episode over at 3extralifes.com. In the show notes there, you'll find everything that I've talked about on this level of 3 Extra Lives, so you don't need to go searching. If you have any indie game recommendations for me, why not let me know? Email me at podcast at 3extralifes.com. Always glad to receive those. Always happy to have my eyes open to a new indie game that i should check out and that's it we are done we have reached the end i thank you all very much for listening and i will see you all in level 23 Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com